I'm here today. I did. I actually, I've pestered Tommy for a good month and a half, two months, and it's, it's a joy to actually come up here and preach. I used to do this in Portland, and I didn't do it to a congregation such as this. I did it with youth and college-age students, and I loved it. It was my dream. It was my joy, and God had a different plan for me. God had a different understanding of where he wanted me to go and what he needed me to do in life, and it was hard. And I didn't expect that someday I would actually be back here being able to talk with you, doing what I love. Um, Tommy sent me a message and said, hey, I want you to preach on John chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. I said, okay, I'll get working on that. Um, By the way, just so you know, I move a lot when I teach because I teach fifth graders, so I'm always moving. Um, So you'll be staying awake a lot because you'll be going like this a lot. Um, So... I started looking through John chapter 12, 1 through 8, and it's the story of where Mary anoints Jesus' feet. And it's a fantastic, it's a powerful story, but there's so much more to it than just Jesus and Mary. It actually starts in John chapter 11, and it goes through 11 and 12. And a little bit of a background of the Gospel of John, if you haven't read it, I encourage you to read it. And if you have read it, I encourage you to read it again. Because John's gospel is written in a way that there is so much knowledge, so much nuggets of knowledge that he's just planted inside that it takes us multiple readings to finally see and understand where John's going. And it starts in John 1, in this very beginning gospel, and for those of you who have a Bible, we are going to be, as you probably know, in John today. Um, And it starts off with a poem, actually. And he lays out a theme for his gospel. This is who Jesus is. This is who he is supposed to be to us. This is who I want you to know. And in verse 4 of chapter 1, he says, In him was life, and the life was the light of all mankind. And John believed something very powerful about Jesus. And the Jesus in his story, in his gospel, he strongly believed that his Jesus is alive. He believes that his Jesus is here. He believes that his Jesus is for you. And more importantly, here to change your world. And throughout the gospel of Jesus, the gospel of John, Jesus is presented in multiple themes. Some of these themes that John talks about are themes such as the light. All through it, we talk about, we hear about Jesus as the light of the world. He also discusses Jesus as life. He is the life that we need. He also talks about believing And all of these things, there's multiple themes throughout John. And as you read John over and over and over again, you start to see these themes become more and more prominent. And in John chapter 11 and 12, everything he talks about comes to a culmination with the raising of Lazarus. The most powerful, most miraculous miracle Jesus performs is when he raises somebody from the dead. And hundreds of believe. And that's the theme. And what's amazing is in John chapter 11 and 12, every theme that John discusses comes to light. No pun intended. 
Jesus calls himself the light. Jesus calls himself life. Jesus calls those to believe. So instead of reading all of John 11 and 12, because if we did, I wouldn't have time for anything, I'm going to go through and summarize as we go through this. The purpose that I want for today is for you to know this Jesus. I want you to understand who this Jesus is. Because we have an idea, we have concepts in our mind of who this Jesus is. Yeah, I've read my Bible. Jesus is the guy that came from heaven, died on the cross, saved the world. But he's more than that. He's so much more than that. And I get the joy of being up here to explain that my best friend in the world can be your best friend too. And a best friend is not somebody who says, you know what, sounds good, I'll talk to you later. This best friend is someone who says, sounds good, I'll be with you every moment of every day, of every hour, and it doesn't matter what's going on, I'm here. That's the Jesus in John's gospel. So John chapter 11, if you want to turn there and kind of follow along, I'm not going to be reading a lot of it, but I'm going to summarize a lot of it. It starts with Jesus is away, he's away from Jerusalem because there's plots to kill him, Um, the Pharisees are upset and tired of people running to Jesus and looking at Jesus because Jesus has proclaimed himself to be the Son of God. And to them, that's blasphemy. Blasphemy so much that he deserves death. And so they're seeking to kill him. Jesus knows this. So he's outside of Jerusalem, and all of a sudden, he gets a message. Jesus, your best friend, Lazarus, is sick and he's dying. Now, any one of us who heard this message ever brought to us about someone we love would be like, I'm dropping everything and I'm going now. Sounds good. Let me call work. Okay, I got to get somebody. I need, I got to go. Jesus says, thank you. And he stays where he's at for two more days. And people are going, you love this man. He's your friend. He's your best friend. Why are you waiting? Jesus, let's go. Lazarus is sick. He needs you. And Jesus goes, okay, give me a couple more days. And so he stays a couple more days where he's at. And as time, time goes on, Jesus finally goes to his disciples and said, we're leaving. We're going to go see Lazarus. And his disciples say, but they're looking to kill you. Aren't we here for a reason? He goes, I know that. I know that they're there to kill me. But... I love Lazarus, and it doesn't matter about me. It matters about what I can do for Lazarus and his family. Jesus takes from his fear, his understanding that I am going to be put to death. He knows this, and he knows that the moment he walks closer to Jerusalem and gets closer to Jerusalem, his death is imminent. And instead of being afraid of that, He looks and says, Lazarus is more important than myself. So let's go. And so they leave. And there's something about that. Jesus knows something that we don't. Jesus knew something that the disciples didn't know. Because the cool part about Jesus is he's omniscient. He's all-powerful. He made you. He made me. And he made all that we see way before We can understand the concept of who Christ is. Jesus knows something that we don't. And so 
he takes his journey back to Bethany. And before he gets there, Martha, who is a very good friend of Jesus, runs to him and he does what most of us probably do. Martha runs and says, Jesus, if you were here, he wouldn't have died. If you would have been here, Jesus, he wouldn't have died. And I think a lot of us, I know me, we take on that that persona. Jesus, if only. Jesus, if only you. If only you, Jesus. But he stayed two days. If only you, Jesus. So Martha plays the blame game. But Jesus knows something she doesn't. Martha's playing that, Jesus, if only you were here, my brother would be alive today. Jesus then goes on and she, he looks at her and he says, he says this to her. He goes, um, in verses, hold on, let me find it here. He goes, I'm the resurrection and the life. The life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And one thing I like about John's gospel is that Jesus' responses always make people go, what? That's really, I mean, every single time. Because Jesus knows something we don't. And so he looks at Martha and he goes, do you believe this? And I love Martha's response. I can imagine this, this conversation, this interaction between Martha and Jesus taking place. And Martha comes running up. Jesus, if you were here, he wouldn't have died. Jesus goes, but, but I am life. And even though you die, you still live. If you believe in me, you'll still live. Martha, do you believe this? And Martha probably did one of these. And it actually comes true later on. Martha probably does, yeah, yeah, Jesus, I believe you, son of God. Right, God, okay. And she leaves. There's doubt in her mind. But Jesus knows something she doesn't know. There's doubt in her mind. And so every single time we come to a place in our life of, Jesus, if only, I think Jesus knows something we don't know. And we're going to blame him. And we're going to be reminded, hey, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. You believe in me, you will live. And we're going to go, yeah, 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 I've heard it before I sat through the sermon. But Jesus, if only, and that's that's the attitude Martha has. And Martha goes running back to Bethany, and she gets Mary and says, Mary, the teacher's looking for you. So Mary then takes her journey up to Jesus And Mary said the exact same thing as Martha. Jesus, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. This time Jesus doesn't respond to her. He looks around and he sees her weeping. And everybody that came with her is weeping. And the Bible says that Jesus' response was to be troubled in spirit. Jesus' humanity and divinity clash. Jesus knows something we don't know, but he also knows what it's like to be human. He knows 
that it's hard. He knows that it's tough. He knows that life isn't fair. He knows that the world that we live in is broken. That's not the way he intended it. That's not the way he wanted it. And he knows that. And he looks and he sees in the eyes of Mary hurt, pain, angst. Jesus, my brother's dead. And for those of you who enjoy memorizing scripture, memorize this. Jesus wept. The humanity of Jesus comes forward and he looks into the eyes of the hurting and the broken and he weeps with us. And he hurts with us. Because he knows something we don't. But he's not willing to just let us stay there. He's willing to say, I am the life. I am the light. Believe in me and you shall live. So Jesus then says, where did you lay him? So they take Jesus to the tomb. And then Martha, the doubter, that's not how she's called, but she comes doubting again. Jesus says, roll the stone away. And Martha goes, whoa! Hey, Jesus, he's been dead for like four days. He's going to stink. Kid you not, it's in the Bible. Paraphrasing. Okay, paraphrasing, of course. Okay. Martha's doubt is there again. Jesus is there to do a miraculous miracle, something he knows that we don't know. And Martha immediately goes, hold up, wait a second. You do that, it's not going to be pretty. I'm pretty sure Jesus knew that. But that doubt came in. Martha's doubt came forward again and says, "Ah, I'm not so sure you want to do that, Jesus. Ah, I don't know if that's the right thing, Jesus. But Jesus knows something we don't. Okay? So Jesus turns to Martha. and 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 he looks at her and goes, didn't I tell you that if you believe in me, you will see light? reminder. Yeah, I've sat through that message before. I've been in that church service before. But there's a reminder. And there's a lot of times that Jesus looks at us and gives us reminder after reminder after reminder, and we fight the doubt that is inside of us. But Jesus will constantly keep reminding, didn't I say, didn't I say that I love you? Didn't I say, if you believe in me, you shall live? Didn't I say that in the world of darkness and hurt, I am the light? Didn't I say that I understand your fears and your hurts and your frustrations, but I am with you? Didn't I say that? I'm just here to remind you that. So they roll away the stone. Jesus responds to Martha's doubt. Martha probably goes, oh, yeah, one of those numbers. And this time, Jesus calls Lazarus. Lazarus, it's time to wake up, buddy. Paraphrase. Come on out. And here comes Lazarus. He's walking out. He's bandaged up. He has... The burial bandages wrapped around him. He probably looks like a mummy walking out. In today's world, it'd be a great Hollywood movie. 
But he comes walking out. And I'm, I guarantee you, the stance, the, the feeling of that moment when Jesus says, hey, Lazarus, come forward. The moment that happens and they see Lazarus coming out of this tomb, everybody's mouths hit the floor and there was dead silence. My favorite line is the last line Jesus says in this, in this part of raising Lazarus. He says, remove the burial wrap and let him go. Remove what's binding him and let him be free. Jesus knew something. Jesus says, I do this for your sake so that you might believe. Jesus knew something that we didn't know. The story goes on to there's a celebration. Lazarus is alive, and now we're in chapter 12. And they're, they're leaning at the table, they're reclining at the table, and they're celebrating this time of life and joy and the fact that Lazarus is no longer dead and family is together again. Jesus, of course, is victorious. He is the king. And all of a sudden, here comes Mary. Not saying a word, Mary bends down at the feet of Jesus, who's reclining at the table, and anoints his feet with extremely expensive perfume. And Judas, Iscariot, the betrayer, the thief, as John calls him, says, whoa, what are you doing? You could have sold that bottle and we could have given the rich to the poor. My favorite part is John totally throws Judas under the bus and says what he was really meaning was he could take the money for himself. So Judas is a liar. He has a different idea of what he wants to do with it. But Jesus turns to Judas and says, hey, let her be. And a lot of us look at this as like, okay, Mary anoints Jesus' feet. Got it. You know, it's not the first time that his feet's been anointed. Okay. Um, they talk about a lot in the Bible about washing feet. And there's, there's actually really significance to that. But the reason Mary's there is not the same reason why we would do it to others. When we do it, it's an act of service. When we wash each other's feet, it's saying, I'm here to serve you. How can I help you? You're, you're, you're greater than I am, and I want to make you better. But for Mary, when, he, when she washes Jesus' feet, she's saying, you're my king. How many times do we go to Jesus' feet asking for things? Jesus, if only. How many times do we fall at the feet of Jesus and say, I need you, Jesus. I need your help, Jesus. Jesus, be here, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. But Mary never does that. In fact, John says nothing about any words Mary spoke. She bends down, takes the oil, anoints his feet, wipes it with her hair. And Jesus says, leave her alone. Because it's at that moment, 
that Mary is saying, you are my king. You know something I don't know. From there, the story goes on. And Jesus rides into Jerusalem. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because this is kind of part of that that Easter celebration and the death of Christ. And he rides into Jerusalem knowing that his death is imminent. But what's fascinating is that ride into Jerusalem is prophetic. Isaiah spoke about it. He says, you will ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. Your king is here. This is John saying, Jesus, he's your king. He's the king. John didn't say he's a king. He said he's the king king. He's the king of kings. Sometimes I think we forget that. Jesus is king. What does king mean? King means that I am ruler. I know something you don't. Jesus is the king. From there, the story moves on to Jesus prophetically proclaiming his death. And he goes on to say, you will have the light just a little bit longer. And he calls himself the light. And he starts talking about lightness and darkness. And and you need to understand that that without light, you stumble in the dark. And I'm pretty sure at this moment, people go like, "Uh, yeah, duh. Yeah, because when I turn off my lights, I can't see anything. Um, And so, no, yeah, darkness, got it, stumble, perfect. Uh, But you're calling yourself the light? How does this work? Well, it's because Jesus knows something we don't know. Jesus knows that our world is full of darkness. And we go through it. Some of us more than others. And darkness is nothing more than fear. It's the fear of not knowing where we're going, what we're doing. It's the fear of what happens next. It's the fear of the I don't knows. It's the fear that Jesus might not be king. Zach Williams, one of my favorite artists, wrote a song about fears of liars. Anybody heard that song? Love that song. And the reason I love that song so much is because it's absolutely true. Fear is a liar. And he says, he will take your breath. He will stop your steps. He will rob you of rest and steal your happiness. Want to know what darkness feels like? It's that. So when Jesus says, I'm the light, it's because it's in him we find joy, in the midst of the darkness. And what Jesus knew that nobody else knew was that he wasn't going to be here. He was going to die, and for the three years that he was in ministry with these 12 disciples and people who were following him, he was going to be on a cross and die, and they were going to go, but we thought you were king. But Jesus knew something they didn't. So Jesus continues with, I am the light. And in the midst of your pain, and in the midst of your suffering, in the midst of your hurt, and in the midst of the moment where you say, Jesus, if only you, I am the light. 
And Jesus wants you to know that. Because a lot of times in our darkness, all we see is pitch black. I, I kind of think of it as my children. My son had a hard time for a long time with, you turn off the lights, it gets dark. Dad, I'm afraid of the dark. And it wasn't for probably five, six years ago, I finally figured out what that meant. Because when the light's on, you see. Everything's where it should be. When the light's on, we're okay. But the moment you shut that light off, fear creeps in. And it's black. But, but what if something shows up? But what if something's there? I can't see it because the light's off. It's dark. I can't see anything. I'm, I'm afraid. So what do we do? We get out of bed. We turn on the light and we go, okay, all right, everything's, everything's the way it should be. And we crawl back into bed, leaving the light on. Right? Fear is the darkness that Jesus is talking about because these disciples, these followers, were going to be afraid of what was next. This Jesus who is king is going to be crucified, put to death. This Jesus who proclaimed that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus who said, I am the light of the world, is no longer going to be here. Jesus knew something that they didn't. And he said, walk with the light while you have the light. And then he goes on to say, and become children of the light. Jesus loves to talk about children. Jesus loves to say, come to me with the faith of a child. And I don't think we understand what that means, because if you tell a child something, they believe you, right? When you get older, all of a sudden you go, yeah, no. You can tell a child the sky is blue because it's painted that way, and they'll be like, cool, all right, right? The faith of a child means that I take it at face value. What Jesus is asking you to do is take him at face value. Stop overthinking this Jesus. He's a lot simpler than we make him because we start to doubt him. And all of a sudden, this darkness creeps in and that small smidge of black will start to creep in and the light of the world that is inside of you starts to get smaller and smaller and smaller because we start to rationalize, who is this Jesus anyway? Jesus is asking you to take him at face value. I'm the king. I'm the savior of the world. I'm your light. I'm your life. I'm your hope. I'm the one you cling to when times get hard. I'm the one that loves you no matter who you are. I'm Jesus. Face value. Jesus goes on in the next couple of chapters in John, and he meets the cross. But John, that's not the thing for John. That's what I love about this gospel. John, John's gospel doesn't culminate with the death of Christ. Matthew, Mark, and Luke do, because that's like who Jesus was. He claimed to be. That's what he came to do. And so when we get to the crucifixion of Christ, it's like that's the climax of the story. But for John, it's the fall. 
and he comes into a conclusion. And he only spends about that much of his gospel on the death of Jesus. And my favorite part about John is he actually tells you why he wrote his gospel. No other gospel writer tells you, hey, here's why I wrote the Bible, here's why I wrote my, my, my gospel for you. But John does. John writes it, and if you want, turn to chapter 20, if you have a Bible open. And take a look at verses 30 through 31. He says, Jesus performed many other signs. In other words, John's saying, yeah, Jesus did a lot of stuff. But what I wrote was for a purpose and a reason. He says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. He took everything from John 11 and 12 and said, hey, here's the purpose. Are you going to take him at face value? Because I'm going to promise you this. Jesus knows something that you don't. Which means you have to let control be in his hands. And you will play the position of Martha. And you will point fingers. And you will say, if only. And you will doubt. Because that's humanity. But Jesus knows something you don't. Do you know this, Jesus? Are you taking him at face value, or do you rationalize everything that he is? I want to end with a poem. I'm going to do my best to actually get through this without messing it up. I found this poem as I was researching and studying for this, and it's, it's from a guy by the name of Clayton Jennings. He lives in Miami, Florida. He's 30 years old. He did a YouTube video on it. And if anybody might have seen his YouTube video about it, but it's powerful. And the title is, Jesus Is. That's it. Jesus Is. And all I want you to do is listen to how he describes Jesus. He's more than you could ever need. He's more than the eye could see. I don't deserve his love, but he's always been there for me. You see, Jesus met me when I was at my lowest. And if you don't know Jesus, know this. He's the greatest example of generosity this world of greed has ever seen. And when Jesus hit the scene, he changed the scenery and met diversity with serenity. If you're looking for peace, he offers plenty. Jesus was and Jesus will forever be king. And when the angels sing, they sing of the grace that was displayed for sinners like me. I can't explain him and I can't describe him because if I could, he wouldn't be Jesus. Because you can't explain eternity and you can't comprehend the galaxies but it was the loving hands of Jesus who spun them into existence and created man knowing he would go to the cross to pay our sentence. There was a certificate of judgment with a period after that sentence and he and we were sentenced to death long before he said, it is finished. 
He's a father to the orphan, a shelter for the homeless, a hiding place for the abused, and an anchor for our storms. He stormed the gates of hell and came out on top. And the power of his gospel cannot be stopped, even when the world tries. And they try a lot. He traded places with Barabbas and became a catalyst of missions across the world, covering every portion of the atlas. If you're in need of rest, I know of a mattress. If you don't know Jesus, your future is tragic, but he gladly embraced tragedy so we could live in his presence of majesty and his presence, his presence, and his presence that presents preciousness to a world of peasants. He's far from pretentious, but still loves those who are. He's the light of the world and hung the stars. He brings the dead to life, but delivers life to the dead. He took the crown of thorns on his head so we can put crowns at his feet. And I can't wait until the day I get to kiss his feet that were nailed to the cross for me and for you and for every other person around the world. He loves the world, and I love his word because his word became flesh, and in his flesh, he demonstrated the word to the world. He is an example to every boy and every girl. He's a lover of black people. He's a lover of white people. He's a lover of the unchurched and the assembly under the steeple. He doesn't see the believer's failures, but still takes time to celebrate their faithfulness. It's the power of his spirit that enables us and gives us boldness even when the world labels us. And if you want to label me, please call me a Jesus freak. If that freaks you out, good. Because it's better to be good with God than to fight being misunderstood by a world that could never understand. So let it be understood that we don't worship man, we worship Jesus. And although he doesn't need us, he still sees us. He pleads with us to run to the cross where he bled for us. His heart bleeds for us. His heart grieves for us, but still graciously grants us a pardon for our treason and a reason where the world tries to explain away the work of the Spirit with human reasoning. And there's a reason why they can't. Because his spirit is like the wind, and the wind cannot be seen. Beloved is he who believes without seeing the unseen. I'm telling you, Jesus is something. He's something more. He's something great. And if you want to know him, you don't have to wait. He stands at the narrow path with the key to the gate, and all you have to do is reach out and embrace his grace. I don't care who is president. I have a king who always is present. I don't care who hosts musicals, celebrities. The voice of the Lord will always be the sweetest melody. I don't care who owns the riches of the globe. My Jesus has more wealth than the ruby on his robe. I don't care who's the strongest or the fastest. Nothing matches the creator of the universe in his immortal, infinite status. I don't care about religious leaders who died and stayed dead. I only worship the one who conquered death and wears the crown on his head. His name is Jesus, and I'm telling you, he's something. He was faithful to yesterday. He's faithful today. I can feel his presence whenever I pray. And when the time comes for me to fade away, I will remember the day I heard him say, my name is Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, you are an amazing king. You're the light of the world and the life that we need. Jesus, I just... I thank you for your word. I thank you for what you've done. I thank you for the cross. I thank you for loving me and knowing me more than I know myself. I thank you, God, that you know something we don't. And I pray that our faith would grow and that we would come to know you like children and that we would take you at face value and understand who you are and that you would speak to us through your word. I pray for everybody here. 
and that your spirit would listen and that your spirit would hear their cries, but also that they would hear yours. We thank you for your love and all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Brothers and sisters, beloved of Christ, may you go knowing the love of Jesus, that he has come and he will come again. Go in action and go in peace. You are dismissed. Amen.